Kiki Jin's old time radio. We have a cracker of a show for you tonight, gals and gents. Wash your black heads, sniff some borax, and enjoy this episode of Inner Sanctum entitled Blood of Cain. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you through the creaking door. We're going to begin tonight's festivities on a scientific note with something that will save you a good deal of money. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, it seems that quite a few people have taken to turning off their refrigerators during this program. Yes, they've discovered they can deep-freeze all sorts of things by just listening to Inner Sanctum and letting their blood run cold. (laughs) Well, Mr. Host, that's quite an idea. Have you any other scientific suggestions? Oh, certainly, Mary. For instance, here's a way to cut down on your laundry bills. Instead of having the laundry starch your clothes, just put them on top of your radio Tuesday nights. In a sanctum, we'll scare them stiff. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's my turn, Mr. Host, and I'd like to make a suggestion, too. It's about an easy way to get more enjoyment out of your teapot. Here's the whole trick. Just use Lipton tea. In every cup of piping hot Lipton's, there's extra tastiness waiting to delight you. And the reason is Lipton's grand brisk flavor. Brisk, you know, is the tea expert's own word for the tangy, full-bodied flavor of Lipton's. And what a pleasure that flavor is. No wonder more folks buy and enjoy Lipton's than any other brand of tea in the world. They've found, as you will, that Lipton's always has brisk flavor. It's never flat. Always lively and spirited, with the hearty zest of tea at its best. So next time, serve Lipton tea. Its brisk flavor gives you more contentment in every cup. Now, friends, lend an ear to tonight's story. An original radio play by Robert Newman called Blood of Cain. Starring two of your radio favorites, Mercedes McCambridge and Carl Swenson. A tale of blood spilled in hatred and vengeance. Of blood that carries a curse that is as old as man. Hmm? You don't believe that's possible, eh? And suppose you put out all the lights, pull your chair up close, and listen. A small square, once fashionable, on the outskirts of New Orleans. The iron balconies where elegant ladies once sat are now rusty and sagging. The paint on the rambling houses is cracked and peeling, and grass grows between the cobblestones. The bayous and the jungle have crept close to it, and at night the cries of strange birds, the croaking of giant frogs can be heard. What was formerly a living portion of the old world has become a place of decay and death. More pigeons died this evening. I saw them towering up and up into the darkening sky as if to escape the pain gnawing at their vitals and then fall into the square and into the garden. I still didn't believe, couldn't let myself believe. And then I saw her standing in the shrubbery the bag from which she had been feeding them still in her hand. I knew then that I could wait no longer, that I had to find out. Louise. Eugene. The pigeons. There's something wrong with them. They're... Dying. Yes. How? And why? I'm no chemist, but I'd I'd say it was poison. Poison? But who would do that? Louise. Now listen to me, dear. Please listen. I love you. 
I've loved you since I first came down here. First met you. You know that. And you know that I'll understand. Now, tell me, why have you been doing it? I? You're the only one who feeds them. The only one who could do it. Oh, no, I didn't. Louise, where are you? Grandfather. Grandfather. Oh, oh, my dear child, what is it? The pigeons. They're dying. It's the second day now. And Eugene said... He said what? Have you looked at any of them, Dr. Philippe? Examined them? Will you go into the house, my dear? I'll be along in just a minute. But, Grandfather... Please, please, dear. Yes, Grandfather. Of course. I'm... Very sorry you did this, Owen. Mentioned it to her. Did you examine any of the pigeons? I did. Poison. Probably from my laboratory. But then... Then you know... I know a great deal, Mr. Owen. I'm her grandfather. I think it would be very wise if you kept away from Louise. Did not see her again. What? Well, that's ridiculous. I I love her. I'm sure you do. But perhaps I did not make myself clear... If you continue to see her, it might prove dangerous for you. I didn't eat any supper that night. I went back to my room and sat there in the dark, staring at the shuttered, brooding house. About 11 o'clock, the door of the doctor's house opened quietly, and Louise came out. Without looking right or left, moving almost like a sleepwalker, she went up the street. I hesitated only a minute, and then I hurried down the stairs and after her. And just as I got downstairs, the door opened again, and... Is that you, Owen? Yes, Doctor. She just left the house. I was watching from the window. Yes, I know. She's done it several times, and this time I was determined to follow her and see where she goes. Look, she's hailing a cab. My car's right across the street. Quick. Louise went in there. What what kind of a place is that? Yeah, that smell. It's the smell of death. From the noise, I would say it was an abattoir. A slaughterhouse? Good Lord. But, but, But why... Why would she come down here in the dead of night? I like you, Owen. I think you know that. And it was for your own sake that I warned you to keep away from her. There are things that you do not... Well, that you cannot know about her. No? Well, we'll see. I'm going in and get her and find out from her. Just a moment. There she is. Just inside the gate, talking to the watchman. No sense arguing about it, lady. I just can't let you in. But you must. You've got to. You always did before. That's just it. Now, once was all right, even twice. But, well, if you want to know the truth, the men have been complaining. Nobody exactly likes killing steers. But they say that the way you stand there watching them, well, well it makes them nervous. You've got to let me in. I'll make it worth your while. Now, watching the killing? Oh, that's awful. It's horrible. I'm, 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 I'm going in again. No, no, no. no. In, in the state she's in... Well, having you come on her suddenly would have a very bad effect. But uh, you wait here. I'll no, go. No, 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 don't hit me. No. <laughs> Louise. What in? Here. What, what, what happened to Watchman? This stone here on the temple. Louise. Why did you do this? I, I don't know. I had to get in here. He wouldn't let me in. Take her out to the car, Owen. Come on, let's go. You can't go now. Leave him lying there like that. He's... He's hurt. He may be dying. No, no, it's not serious. He's just stunned. We can phone for an ambulance as soon as we get home. But we've got to get her away from here immediately. Sit down, Louise. Yes, Grandfather. I'm sorry I ran away like that, Eugene. But I suddenly felt strange. It's all right, Louise. You've been feeling that way quite often lately, haven't you? Yes. Yes, I have. Just what makes this feeling so strange? Well, it's hard to describe. It's as if I weren't myself anymore. It's the opposite of sleepwalking. It's as if I were awake, 
but not really conscious. And I hear voices, voices telling me to do things and whispering a name, a name that sounds like Jonah. Like what? You've been in my study reading my books. No, but I haven't, Grandfather. You always forbade me to... And how did you know that name? Well, whose name is it? And, well, what does it have to do with Louise? It's the name of a family which is almost extinct. And it is a name which means death. Well, what do you mean? I was always very interested in the Jeunat family for reasons of my own. And I've collected all the historical references to them that I could... These references start with the 13th and 14th century, but by the 15th century, they had become the traditional executioners of France. Executioners? And in those days, you know what that meant. It was a Jeunard who put the torch to Jeanne d'Arc. A Jeunard received a handsome request from Louis XI for services rendered. A Jeunard operated the guillotine during the French Revolution. Perhaps that's why the family migrated here after the fall of the Republic. They came here? Yes. Twenty-odd years ago, there were a whole series of particularly atrocious murders here. The murderer was finally caught and executed. His name was Max Jornard. Why do you tell me all this? And why should I constantly seem to hear that name? Well, even when you were little, my dear, you used to have those strange fits, spells when you would do unpleasant things. Afterward, you could never remember them. Oh. Now... Do you remember poisoning the pigeons and going to the slaughterhouse? What? Oh, no, well, no. Well, I've never discussed the matter with you because I thought it might actually implant the idea in your mind. I'd hoped that if you were left alone, you'd outgrow it, but... But what? You still haven't told me what all this about the Jonas has to do with me. It has a great deal to do with you, my dear. You see, Max Jonat was your father. a girl with a real tradition in her family. A murderer for a father and a long line of ancestors who were real killer dillers. I was beginning to get a little worried about her. Fooling around, poisoning pigeons and things like that. But I can see now that there was method in her madness. After all, practice makes perfect. Good gracious, Mr. Host. Louise may turn out to be a very dangerous person. Yes, Mary. She's not the kind of a character you'd like to have ringing your doorbell. I should say not. Why, usually, as our Lipton listeners know, a doorbell is one of the nicest, most friendly sounds there is. Because so often it means friends are dropping in for a visit. Of course, your first thought is to make them welcome. So after you've taken their coats and made them comfortable, pour them a cup of flavorful, spirited Lipton tea. You know, it's wonderful how Lipton's add sparkle to the conversation. For there's extra enjoyment in its grand, brisk flavor. Mm, each sip is brimming with such lively, full-bodied tanginess. Yes, serve your friends Lipton's when they call. And when you say goodbye to them at the door, you can be sure they'll come back for another visit and another cup of Lipton tea. That's a friendly suggestion, all right, Mary. And now, are we ready to get down to business again? The kind of business that Louise's family has specialized in for a good many years. Murder. Oh, I know that what she's been interested in so far is small fry, but I think from now on she'll really be cooking with gas. Just a moment later now. Sitting in Dr. Philippe's study, Louise and Eugene Owen stare at the elderly gentleman with shock and horror in their eyes. You mean my father was a murderer? Your father, and his father before him, back as far as the family's history can be traced. Well, I don't believe it. And even if it is true, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to think this need to kill can be passed on from generation to generation. Well, of course, Owen, there is absolutely no scientific basis for it. Still, how else can you explain some of the things that Louise has been doing? Oh, it's true, it's true. These spells that come over me when I don't know what I'm doing. That name which I never heard consciously until... Oh, no, it can't be true, it can't... Oh, Louise, dear. No, Eugene, you... don't. Don't come near me. Don't touch me. 
If there's even a chance that it's so... Well, I didn't want to tell you. I, I was never very close to your father because he was a rather strange son-in-law. But if you want to know more about him, there is someone you should talk to. Joel Ferguson, down on Gaylord Street. He was the very last person to see your father alive. Yes, who is it? Mr. Ferguson? Yes, who is it? My name is Louise Philippe. I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes. Just a second. Come in. In here. What did you say your name was again? Louise Philippe. At least that's what I always believed it was. Until yesterday. And then I discovered that my name was Louise Jonas. Jonas? Not Max Jonas? Yes. He was my father. What do you want of me through all these years? It wasn't my fault. You know it wasn't my fault. I, I only did what I had to do. I don't know what you mean. I was told that... You were the last person to see him alive. And that perhaps you could tell me something about him. Yes. There are things that I can tell you. That he was evil. But that he knew he was evil. There was a curse on him that made him do the things he did do. Voices that whispered in his ear. Told him to kill. Made him kill. Voices? And in the end, at the last minute, he thanked me. He thanked you for what? For stopping him from doing any more killing in the only way he could be stopped. And when I put the rope around his neck... The, the rope? I was the state executioner. It was I who hanged him. You... You killed my father. I, I only carried out the sentence that was passed on him. And, and why... Why are you looking at me that way? I didn't know... I only came here to see you because... You're lying. If you were his daughter, then you were like him. And you came down here to kill me. Kill you? That, that knife there in your bag. Huh? I didn't even know it was there. You're lying. Keep away from me. Keep away. But I didn't come down here to kill you. Then stop staring at me like that. Put that knife away. No, no, don't come near me. No, no. Good evening, Mr. Owen. Oh, where's Miss Louise Benson? I must see her right away. I'm sorry, sir, but she's not in. She went out about a half hour ago. Oh, uh, well, where did she go? I'm afraid I don't know, sir. She didn't say. Well, what about Dr. Philippe? He's not in either, sir. He left right after Miss Louise as soon as he heard that she'd gone out. Oh? It seemed to me, sir, he looked rather worried. He said something about uh, Mr. Ferguson. Ferguson? Great Scott! If she went down... Thank you. Who's that? I'm looking for Miss Louise Philippe. I was told that she... Is, is that you, Dr. Philippe? Yes, Eugene. Is she here? Yes, she's here. But you're too late. Just as I was too late. What? What, what do you mean? Inside there. See for yourself. Oh, don't tell me that anything's happened to... Good Lord. Louise. She won't answer you. That's the way I found her when I got here. Sitting there with a the knife in her hand and Ferguson lying across the table, dead. Eugene. Louise. Eugene. Oh, Louise, Eugene. darling. Oh, why did you do it? Do... Do what? Dad. Yes, dear. Didn't you do it? I don't know. I didn't even know who he was when I came down here. And I found out that it was he who executed my father. Then I started to hear those voices. Voices telling me to kill, that I had to kill. Then there was a knife in my hand. 
Oh, I can't remember. Voices. That's what Max said at the trial. It was the only defense he offered, but that he heard voices telling him to kill. It didn't save him. But in your case, a woman... What do you say? Well, there's no sense even trying to escape. That would only make things worse, you know that? Yes, Grandfather. Except that there is only one way that things could be if worse. That is, if I were allowed to live. But Louise, don't say that. You must... Oh, it's true, Eugene. For centuries, to be a Jonah meant to bear the mark of Cain. Well, I'm the last of the Jonahs, and there must never be another. Well, I had not gone quite that far, my dear, but perhaps you're right. I am right. Goodbye, Grandfather. Eugene! Louise, come back. Wait! No, no, no. Let her go, Eugene. She's my own flesh and blood. But I think that may be the best way, after all. Yes? Well, we'll see. Louise! Wait, please! It's no use, Eugene. It's all very clear. Clear as witches, brew. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Maybe it's because of our love that I understand. Maybe that was what was wrong with the Jonas. They never knew love, only hatred. But there is a cure. It lies there, in the river. Louise. No, please, dear. There's a curse on me, on all the Jonas that ever were. You're right. There is a curse, but not the kind that you think, dear. Listen. I was at the library all afternoon reading, and I think I understand now, for the first time. You understand what? The nature of the curse, and how it can be ended. Because it can be ended, in only one way. Oh, Eugene? Is that you? Eugene! No, Grandfather. It's not you, Jean. Louise, why, I thought you... Why did you come back here to Ferguson's place? I don't know, Grandfather. The voices, the call in my blood, it's too strong. I tried, I wanted to end it finally and completely, either in the river or with the police. But I couldn't. You mean you're not going to give yourself up? No, Grandfather. I'm not going to give myself up. But that's not all I mean. Louise, you still got that knife? Yes, Grandfather. Walking up the street, realizing that I was still holding it, that it was red with blood. I think it was then that I knew for the first time what it meant to be a Jonah. Oh, look, Louise, you're completely distraught. That, that's only natural. But now, look, you put that knife down and let me take you home. I'll give you something that'll help you sleep and then No, tomorrow... Grandfather, you won't give me anything. Ever again. Well, Louise, you... You're not going to kill me. Yes, Grandfather, that's just what I'm going to oh, do. Oh, no, please don't... No, don't try to get away. I'm younger Louise, and quicker than you. Sake, Louise. Just one quick... No, 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 Louise, no, 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 listen to me. Listen carefully. You can't kill me. There's nothing driving you to do it. You see, you're not as you're not. What are you saying? It's true. I, I am a Jonat. Max Jonat was my son. But you're not evenly, distantly re related to us. You're lying. You're lying. You're just saying that. No, no, that. no. no. I, I swear it's true. I changed my name when I studied medicine to avoid the stigma. But Max kept it. Your father was Louis Martin, the judge. You're lying. How is that possible? But because I adopted you after your father's death. For a reason. It was your father who condemned Max to death. He didn't know Max was my son, and I didn't tell him until later. Your mother died when you were born, and I, I was your father's physician. And when he was desperately ill, I offered to adopt you and take care of you. And then when the papers were signed, I told him who I was. What I was going to do. That I was going to destroy you to avenge my son. And that's what killed him. But all those horrible things I've been doing, poisoning the pigeons, killing Ferguson... You haven't been doing them. It was I who did them. Using drugs and suggestion to make you believe that it was you. So that you would either destroy yourself or... Oh, thank heaven, Eugene! Eugene, did you hear? Yes, dearest, I, I heard. And I told you, didn't I? Eugene! So it was a trick. A trick to trap me. Yes, doctor, it was. I was at the library and at City Hall all day looking up the records. Here, drop that knife. No, Owen. This won't be as poetic a death as the one I'd planned for her, but... No, the lights! Louise, put the lights out! Oh, that won't help you. Either of you. 
You won't get away. I'll find you in the light or in the darkness. And ah, there you are. Die, then. Now you'll die. 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 Louise. It's not all. It's not you. What is Then who Let go of me. Let go of me. Lights. Louise, quickly. Eugene, what happened? Who did he... Ferguson. Yes. He stumbled into him in the darkness, thought it was one of us. Then he must have tripped. The knife. He must have fallen on the knife. Well, somehow it... It seems only right that the last of the journals who killed so many should be destroyed by the dead. <laughs> character we certainly could use on this program. But now at least you've got the perfect answer for the rest of your family when you meet them in the, wherever it is that dead murderers congregate. When they ask you who you were with last night, you can always say, that was no lady, that was my knife. <laughs> well, I'm glad you could put a new point on that old joke, Mr. Host. Oh, I like to sharpen up an old saw now and then, Mary. <laughs> well, let me see what I can do along those lines. Um, how about the best things in life are tea? Mary, <laughs> I'm afraid your enthusiasm for Lipton's has got the best of you. <laughs> well, maybe you're right, Mr. Host. But it's so easy to be enthusiastic about Lipton's. Once you taste that marvelous, brisk flavor, you can't help being a real Lipton fan. And that lively, zestful taste is something you folks should start to enjoy right now. Next time you visit the grocers, get a package of Lipton tea. Try it. I know you'll enjoy it. May I add a word of advice, friends? If you should happen to bump into an elderly gentleman dressed all in black on a dark street some night, don't get into an argument with him. Especially if he happens to be carrying a blood-stained knife. After all, you can end up just as stiff if you're dead right as if you're dead wrong. <laughs> Oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is The Pavilion by Hilda Lawrence. And next week's Inner Sanctum story, brought to you by the makers of Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup, and directed by Hyman Brown. Next week's story is called Skeleton Bay. It's about a lady novelist who writes murder mysteries until she decides she'd rather be a character instead of an author... She chooses Skeleton Bay as a vacation spot, but it turns out to be her last resort. <laughs> now join us next Tuesday on Skeleton Bay. Until then, friends, good night. Pleasant dreams? Mm? <laughs> Ready in a jiffy and as tasty as can be. That's Lipton's Noodle Soup. It's a grand chickeny-tasting broth full of tender golden noodles. You'll love its fresh-cooked, homemade flavor. And Lipton's Noodle Soup is ready to serve in a few quick minutes. It's economical, too. It costs less and makes lots more than canned soups. Ask your grocer for Lipton's Noodle Soup mix tomorrow. And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. All names and characters used on Inner Sanctum are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
Lipton Tea Lady makes all the boys randy. Welcome back to Ricky Jin's Old Time Radio. Now enjoy this episode of yours truly, Johnny Dollar entitled The Arrowcraft Matter. For your enjoyment, Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum presents from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Good evening. This is Mr. Snell, the secretary. Oh, sure. Hi. I was unable to reach Mr. Snell before he left for the West Coast, but he asked me to outline the case to you and hoped you'd follow him out there. It's quite serious. Oh? What is it? Our company has been carrying the policies on a line of pleasure boats for a West Coast sales agency, the Aerocraft Cruisers. Within the past two weeks, three of them have sunk with no survivors. Bad risks. Yes. There's a liability clause. Next of kin in each case is bringing suit for nearly a million dollars. Edmund O'Brien in another adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum. Here's a taste treat you can enjoy indoors, outdoors, at work, or at play. The cool, long-lasting mint flavor refreshes you. The smooth, steady chewing helps keep you fresh and alert. Adds enjoyment to whatever you're doing. Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office Grand East Life and Liability Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during assignment to Millard Snell of your legal department on the investigation of the Arrowcraft matter. Expense account item one, $275 air travel Hartford to Los Angeles and rented car travel from Los Angeles to Newport Beach and... The heart of the trouble. Snell? Millard Snell? Who is it? It's Dollar. Dollar? Hurry up. Get aboard. Now watch it. She's wet tonight. Hey, give me your arm. Come on. Thank you. Didn't think you were going to make it. You talked to your secretary? Yes, but that was yesterday from Chicago. Well, I didn't know where you were until I called her from the Los Angeles airport a couple of hours ago. Then when I got here, your hotel told me you just left to charter a boat. What's up? Myers, how long will it be? Uh, Robert should be here any minute, Mr. Snell. Couldn't leave without him. All right, if you can hurry him up anyway, do it. Come on in the cabin, Dollar. Out of this foul night air. Oh, I thought it was bad sometimes in Hartford. Another cruise has been reported, Dollar. An arrowcraft? Yes. Reported by a private plane between here and Catalina Island. That's 30 miles offshore. The Coast Guard been notified? Yes, but candidly, I hope we see it before they do. Find out what we insured. If we can find it in this fog. Find it? You mean this one is still afloat? Before dark, yes. Barely afloat. Robert, hurry, get aboard. Ah, there he is. The navigator we've been waiting for. I hope he's sober. Tell me, what have you learned so far? What makes them sink? I don't know. The sales agent, Fred Crocker, you'll meet him, swears by aircraft. Says they're one of the best hulls afloat. Yeah, but the fact remains they've been sinking. Uh-huh, and a tragic fact, too. The loss of life so far has been horrible. Three 28-foot boats, 11 fatalities. No trace of the cruisers, even. But a life ring or two. Must have been deep water, then. What about bodies? Seven have been recovered and four still missing. Ah, we're getting started. It was 10 p.m. when we left the quiet resort village, and it was dawn when we saw in the fog what we had been unable to find during a whole night of searching. The arrow craft, without sign of life, 
was almost entirely awash, bowed down in the channel swell. That's close enough, Myers. Right. We don't want to nudge her. She's allowed to roll over. Well, here we are, but there's nothing we can do about her. How she stays up is beyond me. Any chance of towing it in? Not in that shape. Give her any weight, she'll just take more water and go down. Can you put me aboard? If you want to go, I can put you there, but I don't know what your weight is going to do. She's ready to roll. What do you think, Roberts? Well, we'll put him over the stern. That shouldn't upset her. We'd better get some of those clothes off, Dollar, while we swing around. All right. Do you think it's worth it? You're going aboard? Worth it? I'm not going for a night like that without having a look at it. Gives me the creeps. The thing awash like that. Looks dead. Yeah. Too dead. Why isn't there anyone aboard? Why isn't somebody hanging onto the side? Okay, Dollar. We'll move into it now. I'm ready. Now get back there on the transom. That's it. Right there. I'll swing you right into it. Right. There you are. Go ahead. Okay. Hey, get off the go. And stay amidships. Don't get to either side. She'll roll. I'm all right. Anything there? Yeah. Yeah, there's something here. There's a girl in the cabin. Her body floated face down in the flooded cabin, held in there by the narrowness of the passageway. After an unpleasant and ticklish 15 minutes, she was lifted aboard the other boat by three suddenly silent men. There was little else I could do on the derelict but memorize the name and address on the certificate of ownership. So I left it and followed the girl. I didn't bargain for this, Dollar. It doesn't bother me to read about 11 of them, but... But this girl... Why, she can't be over 18. Yeah, I noticed. You know, if it was a guy, it wouldn't hit so hard. But a kid like this... Beautiful. Myers. Yes, sir? Have you radioed in about this? I waited to find out whether you want to stand by the boat or not. No. We'll start right back. Get word to the police. Ask them to meet us. I think it's a case for them... The boat's registered to a Chester McNeil, Newport Beach address. McNeil, Newport Beach address. McNeil, yes, all right. You want to get us started, Roberts? Right. What'd you find, Dollar? Come here, look at this. See? Behind her ear. You see the bruise? Yeah. Yeah, I noticed it when I was getting her out of the cabin. She'd been slugged? She could have been. There's long black hair. You see here? The water's ruined most of it, but there's still part of a braid... It could have been a hard blow, one that might have killed a man, but her braid might have softened it. I'm looking for an answer to why she was on that boat, alone and dead. It was an answer I never did actually find and prove, because in the final analysis, the death of this beautiful, dark-haired girl was no more important than any of the rest of them. She was taken to the county morgue, and after making my formal statement to the police and giving them my informal theories, I followed her there. Well, I take it that the deceased is not a personal friend of yours. That's right, Dr. Sane. I'm an insurance investigator. I'm in Southern California because a number of people have died in the sinkings of some insured pleasure boats. Oh, yes, the aircraft? Yes. And the death of this girl has become important to me. What's her name? Caruso, Antonia Caruso. She was identified by her mother. Antonia. Are you planning an autopsy? Why do you ask? I wonder if you noticed a bruise behind her right ear. Yes, I reported it. You're an observant fellow. Dr. Sane, you must have examined some of the other bodies from these sinkings. Were there any indications of violence on them? If there were, I was unable to discover them. The period of immersion in other cases, you must understand, was much longer than in the Caruso case. Water makes it difficult. Why do you ask? On the rest of the sinkings, the boats themselves have been blamed. But after today, it seems to me there's a possibility that something else has caused them, at least this one. The contusions? Yes. There were two other people on that boat, the owner, Chester McNeil, and his father. But the girl's body was the only one aboard. Why? Uh, I didn't know the particulars. I think the girl wore braids, Doctor. If she did, could she have survived a blow that 
would have killed the two men? Protection? Well, location of the wound would bear you out behind the ear. Could she have been knocked unconscious, been thrown overboard, and then recovered enough to get back on? Could this have happened to the girl? Are you suggesting homicide, Mr. Dollar? I'm not sure. Then I'm not sure why perfectly good boats start sinking without survivors, either. They have to make autopsy examination to determine the degree of concussion. Well, that's why I asked. Are you going to perform one? In the state of California, Mr. Dollar, except in cases of unquestionable criminal acts, autopsy is allowed upon only permission of the next of kin. Now, this contusion, well, it could have been sustained so many ways. Yes, I know, I know. As a matter of fact, arrangements have already been made to move the body to a private establishment. Oh. Um, could you give me her mother's address? Why, yes, I suppose so. But I'd be doing no more than saving you a search of the phone book. What is it you want? Mrs. Caruso, I'm the man that found your daughter. Oh, then why have you come here? You shouldn't know my grief. I do, Mrs. Crusoe, but I'd like to talk with you if I could. Well, what is there to say? I don't want to see you. There is no room for sympathy. I didn't know anything about your daughter, but I'd like to. I'd, I'd like to hear about her. Why do you do this? Because... Because I don't think her death was accidental. Oh, go away. Why do you say this? My girl, she never did no wrong. I didn't mean that, Mrs. Crusoe. Please, may I come in? All right. It's in my house. I'm sorry. It's not cared for. There have been so many things today. Well, I won't stay long. She was a good girl. She was going to marry Chester. His father was with them. She was going to marry Chester. Oh, we hoped it so much, Antonia and me, that it would be a good marriage. Mrs. Caruso. We always dreamed. We were good people, only poor. We give everything so Antonia will be better. She was so beautiful. She was going to marry Chester. I'm sorry to bother you at a time like this, I... Now, she's gone. I saw her. I saw her, too. And I want to learn why she's gone. Now, Mrs. Caruso, is there any reason that you can think of why there should have been trouble on this trip in the McNeil boat? Oh, no. They go many times. They love the boat. They go many times, always with his father to take care of them. He, he loved her, too. My daughter, he called her. She was going to marry his Chester. Be so happy. Please, Mrs. Carlo. Oh, my Antonia. Antonia. Please, go. You know my grief. Leave my house. Leave my house. I left her house and drove back to Millard Snell's hotel. It was 7 p.m. and I hoped we could get to Crocker, the West Coast agent for Arrowcraft, before the night was out. But I found Snell white-faced when I opened the door and too anxious to show me the front page of the evening paper. I didn't know where to find you, Dollar. For what? And you haven't heard. Fred Crocker, the aircraft agent. He was killed this afternoon. How? It says traffic, hit and run victim. But I don't believe it. Look at this. Violence in another form preceded the tragedy, the story said. Crocker's sales office was entered earlier today in a bold daylight strike. The interior was wrecked, but whether or not the entry was for purposes of theft has not been ascertained. The writer didn't make any definite statements. But reading between the lines, you knew that he was exploring the possibility that revenge was at the bottom of both the violence and the tragedy. That those who had lost family or friends in the Arrowcraft sinkings 
had wrecked Crocker's office and then killed him. But remembering the bruise behind the Caruso girl's ear, I didn't believe that either. To make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. The lively, full-bodied, real mint flavor cools your mouth, moistens your throat, freshens your taste. And the chewing itself gives you a little lift, helps you keep going at your best. So for real chewing enjoyment that's refreshing and long-lasting, always keep Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. Healthful, delicious, Wrigley's Spearmint Gum will make every day more enjoyable. And now, with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Snell and I drove out to what had been Crocker's sales office. A sheriff's deputy met us outside and took us in. Give me some light if... Uh... Oh, there's a switch. Well, not as bad as it could be. At least the drawers aren't dumped. These are from a file cabinet. We'll start here. What are you looking for? Crocker's sales records. Sales records? The names and addresses of all the people who bought arrowcrafts from him. I don't think we'll find it. I don't get you. We've got a theory. That those boats didn't just sink. That they were boarded. That the people who've been lost were slugged before they were drowned. And that the boats were scuttled. What do you think of it? Why would anybody set out to wreck aircraft? Well, that I don't know. Probably because they're linked to something important. Maybe something or somebody is on an aircraft and somebody else doesn't know which one. Here's the sales folder, Dollar. It's empty, all right. Sure it is. That gives them the location of every aircraft between here and San Diego. Sheriff, nobody has said where Crocker was when this place was entered. They don't know yet. You got a theory? Yeah, that he was here. Yeah, that after the list of names and addresses was taken, he was dragged out of here and killed with a car for the same reason the others have been killed. Because alive, they might have been identifying witnesses. Well, they say everybody's got a right to his own opinion, but that's too crazy for me. Well, I don't blame you. It's too crazy for anybody. Maybe so crazy it'll never be cleared up. Expense account item two, $112 cost of entertainment that same night for as many members of the press as I could get hold of. They listened to my theory, agreed that it was unbelievable, but worth printing on the grounds of sensationalism. The story made the morning editions, most of the papers slanting it towards warning the Arrowcraft owners listed in Crocker's stolen records. But it didn't look so unbelievable because it had a companion piece. A night watchman at one of the yacht clubs lay near death from gunshot wounds after apprehending a prowler aboard an aerocraft. The prowler was being held at the county jail. Who is this guy, Sergeant? Jerry LaBarbe is the name he uses. We put a search on him last night. He's one of those things you call a known hoodlum because nobody's been able to pin much on him. Known to the police in Las Vegas, L.A., and San Diego, to name a few. Here he is. I hope you had better luck with him than we did. If you meant that, you'd leave me alone with him for the rest of the day. Sorry. Off the bunk, LaBarber. You got a visitor. On your feet. Stand up. Okay, hero. You got me up. What's the matter with you? What's missing, LaBarber? What? What's lost? What were you looking for on the arrowcraft? Come on, who are you working for? I'm out of work. Why don't you save your breath? How many of the other killings were you mixed up in? What are the killings? I get into a scrape with an eager night watchman, and now you talk about pinning other killings on me. What is this? Who are you working for? I'm out of work. You could do yourself some good, you know. I'm not complaining, am I? You were off to a pretty good start. Even if that watchman lives, you're going to be tried for assault with intent to kill. That's a long rap. You might make it shorter by using your head. (laughs) Is that a promise? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. You're a sucker, LaBarber. But this is a promise. I'm going to see you charged for Crocker's murder. Who's Crocker? And I'm going into the business of searching arrowcrafts myself. Don't be stupid. Why not put the blame where it belongs? Blame for what? Okay, Sergeant, I've had enough. So have I. 
I wonder how long it takes to get that way. For what? I could buy and sell you, you cheap tin star. Well, what do you think? He's covering for somebody, isn't he? Thank you're right. You shouldn't have tipped your hand so much about searching the boat. Word's going to get out. Out of a jail cell? He called for a lawyer, one of the hot men from L.A. We can refuse him visitors, but not a private session with a criminal who happens to be his lawyer. Oh, I'd like to hear that one. You should. It's going to put a bigger bullseye on your back than that newspaper story did. There was no trouble that day and no progress. We had time to contact two Arrowcraft owners that afternoon and went aboard their boats. Nothing came of it but a feeling of frustration because we didn't know what we were looking for, how large or small it was, whether to empty fire extinguishers or break and open batteries. That night the news broke that the night watchman had died of his wounds. Snell and I made an attempt at eating dinner and took a bottle of cognac to my room to see what it could do. The phone call came at 9.30. Hello? Hello? Well, this is Dollar speaking. Who's this? I'm in a phone booth, so don't bother trying to trace this call. It's about the boat trouble. All right. What about it? Not over the phone. You have to come up here. Where do I meet you? I've got to be careful. You'll know why when I talk to you. You have to come alone. What else? There's a place called Leeds Bar. It's on Long Beach Boulevard, three blocks up from the beach. You'll see the sign. I'll find it. You can make it in an hour. But you've got to be alone. I will be. All right. Quarter of eleven. What was that? Some girl says she wants to talk about the Arrowcrafts. Wants me to meet her in Long Beach. Don't be ridiculous. You're not going. Somebody has to do something. Nothing as foolhardy as this. You've been expecting them to make a move. Here it is. You don't for a minute think she's telling the truth. I won't find out sitting here swilling brandy with you. I wasted ten minutes in Newport circling through alleys and side streets to shake any tail that might have been put on me. And then I headed up the coast highway. At exactly 10.45, I was ordering a drink in Leeds Bar. It arrived simultaneously with a metallic nudge in the ribs from a man who had taken the stool on my right. Drink it, Dollar. We've got to go. I was supposed to get a message from a girl. You've had it. Come on, drink up. All right. Now leave. I'll meet you outside the door. Do I get to talk with this girl? She's outside. Okay. This way. Here's a car. No, you, you get in front with her. I'll get him back. Where to now? Just a little way. You weren't followed? I made it a point not to be. Huh? You wanted to talk. Yeah, I do. I don't know what's going to happen to me, but I don't think I care anymore. It's been like I killed all those people who've died. Take it easy, now. You mean their deaths are your fault? Sort of, yeah. I mean, I could have stopped it, but I was afraid to because one of his men would have killed me. And I thought he'd stop me for this. He? Who do you mean? Hey, <laughs> watch what you're going. You better stop when. This is as good a place as any. Yeah. I, I didn't go to the police because I have a record. And he's so powerful, he... He could have made it look like blackmail and it wouldn't have gone any farther. Who is so powerful? George Masterson. George Masterson? Who's he? Oh, he seems like a businessman. He owns a line of furniture stores. I've known him for three years. It was one of those things where oh, every once in a while I'd learn something about him. Until I finally understood what he really was. And he knew I did. What kind of payment do you expect for what you're telling me? Dollar. I, I hadn't thought of money. I swear I hadn't. All right. Go ahead. Masterson's as far outside the law as you can get. Narcotics, jewels and furs, aliens, Mexican gold, anything. He runs the West Coast for a combination that has headquarters in Italy. Who knows this? I do. And I wrote it all down. Ways to prove it. Like the names he uses for all his bank accounts to evade income tax. All of it. That's what he's been looking for on those boats. Well, then he was afraid... Running it down was the only way I could think of to protect myself. 
He was afraid of me. Because I knew so much about him. He was going to have me killed. We were in Mexico when I told him, Ensenada. When he didn't believe me, I showed him a copy. I told him I'd hidden the original on a boat I'd visited. And that if he killed me, I had a way of letting the police know which one... Which one is it? I was lying to him. I didn't put it on a boat. I was lying. Arrowcraft was only a name I remembered. When he asked me, I said, Arrowcraft. You mean there's nothing on those boats and 16 people have died? I know. I, I know I was wrong. I should have. But when you're scared, you only think of yourself. Don't go in, honey. You'll be all right. This paper you say you wrote, where is it? I have it here. I want you to take it. Now, right, get out, Holly. I want to take her home. I didn't fully believe her until I had finished reading her denunciation of George Masterson after they'd left me. But by the end of it, I knew that in my hands was the hottest document in California. I knew that hundreds of rotten lives could be crumbled and millions of dollars in criminal traffic could be stopped. And it did away with the possibility of any suit against Arrowcraft or your company. But it wasn't enough. I should have gone to the authorities with it then. Instead, I took a room for the night and mailed it to the FBI in the morning. Then I went after Masterson. I found him in a plush office in one of his furniture stores. Here. Just a moment, sir. You can't go in there. Mr. Masterson... What's the meaning of this? You're an ounce before you get in here. Not this morning, Masterson. I'm sorry, sir. Get somebody to throw this man out. What's the matter with you? Who are you? Johnny Dollar, working on the Arrowcraft sinkings. Gwen Thomas. I've read her statement. I don't know what you're talking about. About 16 deaths. The FBI can have you for the rest. But I want you for those 16 deaths. Get away from me. Get away from you. Stay away from me. Get up. Oh, listen to me. Come on. Get up. As far as I was concerned, that was it. The girl was placed under protective custody by the FBI and the district attorney, who had worked out 75 counts on Masterson's indictment before I left. It's too bad that all of the next of kin of the 16 dead can't sit in the jury box. Expense account item three, same as item one. Expense account total, $940.20. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Remember, friends, to make every day more enjoyable, treat yourself often to refreshing, delicious Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum. There's lots of cooling, real mint flavor in every stick. And chewing Wrigley Spearmint helps keep you feeling fresh and alert. You feel better, work better, get more fun out of doing things. So indoors, outdoors, wherever you go, keep some healthful, refreshing Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. To make every day more enjoyable, Treat yourself often to delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can soon be seen starring in the Columbia Pictures production, 7-Eleven Ocean Drive. Featured in tonight's cast were Gene Bates, Howard McNear, Clayton Post, Harry Bartell, Hi Aberback, John McIntyre, and Jeanette Nolan. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and directed by Jaime Delvile. The makers of Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum invite you to join us next week at this same time when from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. again next week at the same time on the mighty K-O-N-R. Don't forget to play What Will Mrs. Thompson Say at LGAP.com. Now, stay tuned for the Sam Squatch Report. 